What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I'm your co- I'm your host, Colin. Here with my co-host Noah. Noah, what's cooking, baby? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. You know, Tom Brady got himself another ring. Um, yeah, kind of yeah, decimated yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs, if we're being honest. And honestly, it wasn't even that fun of a watch. In terms it really wasn't. Of Super Bowl play. I, you know, I, I was watching it with my family, and I, at halftime, I was pretty jazzed. I told everybody, hey, this feels like a Super Bowl comeback-type win. Pat Mahomes, known for the second half. Saddle up, baby. This is going to be a ride, and I settled up for a field goal. I mean... <laughs> Did you like the halftime show? Win. Yeah, the weekend was dope. I'm, I'm yeah, that was pretty good. And, and I I heard I heard some people that weren't liking it, but I thought it was dope. I, I was kind of getting vertigo when he was uh like had the camera in his hand. It was kind of making me sick. And when he went in like all the mirrors and shit and all yeah, the different uh, weekend people. Yeah, no, I thought it was dope though. I thought it was great. I mean, blinding lights is just a banger. Pretty cool entrance. Other... Like uh, yeah, seriously. That was pretty sick. Seriously. Yeah, no, I loved all of his dancers. Like the uh, the mask people, like they looked sick. Mask people sick. went hard. They went hard. They they were going off. They were going off, especially for a show in which, because usually it's just like on stage, you know, and they do the theatrics and like Katy Perry wrote a line one time, but like other than that, it mostly just like stays on the stage. So for them to like be walking around the whole time, I mean, that is. It's some effort by the weekend right there, you know? How much it's, did you factor that being a home game into the result? Because it was rocking when, uh, like, the crowd was pretty loud when Kansas City had the ball. I don't think at all. I think I factored into being that the Chiefs were missing two of their starting offensive linemen. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. No time. He, yeah, he was running for his life on a broken toe. Like, let's just, or it's not broken, but an injured foot. I mean, yeah, it, I, I think pretty early on it was clear that the Chiefs' offense was just not going to be able to do what we've seen them do because the front seven were just getting decimated. The secondary of the Bucks, I mean, hats off. Containing Tyreek Hill, that's, that's remarkable. Not a single team has really done that all season to just totally contain him, and he was essentially totally contained. Travis Kelsey did his thing, but other than that, the Chiefs' offense just could not do anything. So, hats off, Tom Brady. You know, the goat of goats is what the Twitter world is debating right now. Where do you stand on that? Is he the goat of goats? Dude, he might be. This was like a. It's hard. It's crazy to think that this was like a statement win in his already like very storied career, but it kind of felt like it, didn't it? Yeah, no. Have you seen the stat that Tom Brady, since turning 37, holds the record for all quarterbacks in Super Bowls and playoff wins? That's insane. Just take everything that's happened since Tom Brady turned 37. And he's better than every single other quarterback in the history of the playoffs. Their their touchdown in the first quarter was his first ever first quarter touchdown in every that. in any Super Bowl he's ever been in. That's kind of crazy too. Yeah, no, that's not a. I mean, I mean, like the Patriots have scored touchdowns when he had played. Just they were always rushing, which yeah. was weird. But yeah, they would get off to slow starts and. People forget some of Brady's earlier Super Bowls were very low scoring. Like, the, the final score of those games would be like 17 14. I'm specifically remembering the Giants Super Bowls. I mean, even the Rams Super Bowl was very low scoring. But yeah, hats off. I mean, I guess it's, it's fun to see it. You know, I, I would have preferred Mahomes and the Chiefs to pull it off, mostly because I had a ton of money on them. Like that's fair. Alrighty, but let's. This isn't a, a football podcast. No, this isn't a football podcast. All right, pal. This is a basketball podcast. How do we do in fantasy this week? How are you feeling? Uh, feeling pretty good. You know, I went two and zero. I won in points. Um, I scored the most points this week again. 
I'm pretty good about myself. My sec, my highest score, Steph Curry, played three games this week, brought me 208 yeah, points. But my second highest score, Colin, was actually Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. He dropped me 154 points this week. Well, Kings I mean, are kind of playing was, pretty well. Where was Chris Paul on this? Because Chris Paul scored a shit ton for you, too. And you were playing the gentleman that traded you, Chris Paul, for Jamal Murray. And I informed you earlier today that had you not pulled off that trade and he kept Chris Paul, he would have beaten you this week, actually. Yeah, I think Chris Paul scored like um around like 130-something for me, and I did win by about... Um, like 190, so, you know, a couple more moves could have been made, but, uh, yeah, you know, money moves only. I made that Chris Paul trade for a reason, and even the Nuggets, they're playing better now, but it's not really because of, uh, Murray playing any better. No, it's because of Jokic playing out of his mind. And then and, I went, you know, I went 2-0 and in category, or I went 7-2 and in categories again. Um, I'm now two games above 500. Nice. I dug myself yeah, out of a I, hole. I like that. That that's big, baby. I went six and three in categories after coming into Sunday three and six. So I was pretty stoked about that. I made some nice moves, had some nice pickups. DeAndre Ayton has low key just been going off for me in terms of rebounds. The man has turned himself into like a thirteen rebound per game kind of guy. Which is just really nice. I mean, I'm not I'm not complaining right now. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna do it because he's killing it for me. So that's been really nice. I won. Uh, out of everybody, I had the most rebounds, assists, and steals on the week. So that's always a pretty nice feeling to know that you dominated a couple categories. And I won the points league, so you know. Good fantasy week for the boys. I mean, the bench chatter advice that we're giving ourselves, it, is it Coming through. Off? Is it paying off? It's coming through. We're catching dubs. Catching dubs. Dude, um, Derek right. White Derek White had me five blocks this week, and he played three yeah. games. What, what, what is that? I have Do no clue we, because he didn't He didn't have a steal. Expect to continue. It, it shouldn't be a trend that you should continue to see, but if it is, I will be very happy. Yeah. It's five blocks out of a guard is insane. That's in, especially when usually I would say like 33 blocks on average wins a week. So you're looking for, I would guess, somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.8 blocks a person per game would be my guess, you know, just yeah. based on how many guys you have playing. So for a guard... To be getting you five, that's insane. That's insane. Good for you, dude. Good for you. Proud of you. Thanks, dude. Alrighty. Now, you mentioned Derek White. I think we should mention a different Derek because there's some hot buzz going around about Derek Rose being traded back to the New York Knicks, teaming up with Tom Thibodeau for a third time. How do we feel about it? Um... You know, it's a it's an interesting move. You know, clearly um, it's mm-hmm. a move from the Knicks that they want to push for the playoffs. They want to make the playoffs to, um, you know, show their fans that they do have some promise, reward them for all the losing they've done. And they're currently the sixth seed right now. And I do think Derrick Rose yeah. will help. Um, I think a loser That's... from this is probably Emmanuel quickly. Um, yeah, uh, I could see his minutes getting shot now because they could start Derrick Rose being Alfred Payton off the bench, start Alfred Payton, bring Derrick Rose off the bench. And there's not really um, there's not really room for quickly because clearly the um, the Knicks want to win now and they have a guy like Austin yeah. Rivers also off their bench. And they also have Alec Burks, um, both probably better shooting guard options and Emmanuel quickly. So I think um, I think he's going to see some he. Probably gets dropped if his minutes actually do get taken by Derrick Rose now. Mm-hmm. Do you see any value um, here for the Pistons side, Colin, for maybe any of the players? Uh, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., I just feel like he's constantly a, a trade piece for... He, he's the quintessential, you know, he could be something kind of guy. You just really don't know. 
So I don't really... I think that they needed to ship him out because they weren't doing anything with him, you know? And yeah. you could get any value out of it, you know? Obviously, they had a, a buyer that was active and wanted to have Derrick Rose, and so they just they acted. They went for it. They got Dennis Smith Jr. in a second-round pick. In my personal opinion, second-round picks in the NBA are uh, almost meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't it's, think I do not think so actually. I think it's such a I how do I want to phrase this? I think it's such a stab in the dark at some point. Like once you get beyond like the fortieth pick, you're just taking your shots in the dark. It's so rare that those picks turn out to be anything higher than a good bench player. Which, obviously, you know, winning teams, you know, you need to find solid bench players. But so often, these guys are just getting cut. So I don't I don't see it being a blockbuster move for the Pistons by any stretch of the imagination. But if it helps them out a little bit, you know, if there's guys on that team that now can carve out a little bit more of a, a role and a future in Detroit, then I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. So, I don't see any way in which Detroit is a loser in this trade, and I don't really see any way in which the Knicks are a loser in this trade. I mean, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had played three games this year and averaged nine minutes in those games. So, mm-hmm. clearly, they didn't have any value in him. And a second-round pick is a second-round pick. You take the I kinda, guy that substantially helps you in the playoffs. I kind of feel bad for um, Killian Hayes. I think he's kind of a loser in this. Um, we kind of knew that Derrick Rose was mentoring Killian Hayes. And um, that's yeah. like a, that could be a big blow to his development, honestly. Like, he has no, like, veteran leadership on this Pistons team to, like, kind of introduce him on how to be an NBA player, you know, how to get better on the court. Yeah. But I think um, I think DeLon Wright might be a winner from this trade. Um, he's been the Pistons starting point guard, and now he's kind of locked into that role. Um, I think we could see him mm-hmm. start having a higher usage rate. And he's already been putting yeah. up pretty good numbers, so I think um I think I think he could see a nice little bump in his fantasy value. Most definitely, he's been moving up the the waiver charts. I've seen his yeah. name really, especially in this last week, become uh, very popular among the subreddit, and I think his percentage jumped like twenty percent or something. Ooh. So look out for that. I'm trying to pull it up right now. My computer is being a piece of shit. Shit, I tell you. Um, Alrighty, well, with that out of the way, should we get into a little bit of a schedule analysis? Yeah, let's do it. Hit us with that NPR voice. Let's do it. Alrighty, and while I do the NPR voice, uh, you have to give me give me something special to do for the three gamers. Alrighty, here we go. NBA teams with four games this upcoming week. We have the Boston Celtics, the Charlotte Hornets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Dallas Mavericks, the Denver Nuggets, the Detroit Pistons, the Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Orlando Magic, the Phoenix Suns, the Portland Trail Blazers, the San Antonio Spurs, the Toronto Raptors, and lastly, the Washington Wizards. This has been NBR. Alright, yeah, it was decent. It was decent, you know. I've heard so, better. Know, I've heard better. Yeah, I've heard better. Uh, you know, I was trying to do something special. It didn't really work. It's fine, though. Alright, what am I doing for teams of three games? Um, can you do your best Samuel L. Jackson impersonation like he's on Snakes on the Plane? <laughs> I have no idea. Let's find out. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Motherfucker. He's got to drop a lot of mother F-bombs. Yeah, motherf- motherfucker. Mm, he's kind of a, a tough voice to impersonate. I'll, I'll try, though. The Atlanta motherfucking Hawks. Brooklyn, motherfucker. No, that's just me saying motherfucker. Alright, I guess I guess I'm just gonna say motherfucker in between every single one of these. The Brooklyn, motherfucking Nets. 
the Chicago motherfucking Bulls, the Indiana fucking Pacers, the Los Angeles Clippers fucking, the Miami fucking Heat, the New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers motherfucker, San Antonio, oh my god, Sacramento Kings, Jesus dude, you're getting <laughs> tired, and the Utah Jazz, alright, I should give you a list of, of capabilities that I have. In, in my <laughs> I'm, I'm limit testing. Acting abilities. Yeah, well, Samuel Jackson. It's it's a very specific voice, too. You know, I, I'd have to take some acting lessons. Had you given me, like, Christopher Walken, you know? I could do Oh, that. okay, okay. We'll, we'll keep that in the bag for next week. Um, all right, in terms of teams that are playing each day, it seems pretty even this week. You know, it, much more even than the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the last couple of weeks we've seen um, Tuesday, Thursday, and then both of the weekends be um, typically the lower game days. But um, yeah. this week it's a little more balanced. Um, on Monday, we have 16 teams playing. On Tuesday, we have 14 teams playing, which is um, the past two weeks, Tuesday's had like around 10 teams playing. Um, Wednesday, wow. we have 18. Thursday, we have 10. Friday, we have 22. Saturday we have 10, and Sunday we have 20. So um, you're going to be looking for Thursday and Saturday, guys who play on those days, because those are going to be the two low-volume days of this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. The Monday Monday slate's bigger than it usually is. Sunday slate is way bigger than it has been. Wednesday slate remains about the same, and the Saturday slate is actually what's fallen off a little bit. So just interesting little notes there. Already, what about teams that have back-to-backs? What are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, so back-to-backs are important because um, you want to make sure that you don't have a guy um, who may be uh, sitting out one of these back-to-backs. So on Monday, Tuesday, we have the Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets, and the Spurs. So out of the Rockets, you may see John Wall or Oladipo sit one of these games. Um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, we have Brooklyn and the Pelicans. Um, I don't really think we have to worry about either of these teams. Um, maybe one of the stars will sit for the Nets, but um, I don't think they're sitting out because of back-to-backs like on purpose. Um, on Wednesday, Thursday, we have the Pacers and the Raptors, so I think we're good there. Um, on Thursday, Friday, we have Boston, Detroit, Orlando, and Portland. Um, so if you're a Blake Griffin owner, he might sit out one of those games. And Kemba's going to sit out one of those games for Boston, so you got to plan for that. Um, on Friday, Saturday, we have Atlanta, the Knicks, and Utah. I think we're good there. On Saturday, Sunday, we have Phoenix. And then on Sunday, Monday, we have Cleveland, the Clippers, and Sacramento. So I also think we're good there. But um, those mm-hmm. those teams that play on Sunday, Monday are important because you can pick a guy up from one of those teams and you're knowing you're getting them yeah. for the last day of your week and then the first day of your new week. So that's usually a decent strategy to go off of. And then, so days with six or fewer games, we're looking at Thursday and Saturday. Both have five games. And then I have a little teams to stream section. Uh, and these are teams usually that have favorable schedules. Um, so they'll have guys that you'll want. So the Warriors play on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, as do the Rockets. So potential guys you could be looking at from the Warriors are like Damian Lee, Kent Bazemore, Eric Paschal, um, Juan Toscano, Anderson. Um, from the Rockets, you could be looking at like Jay Sean Tate, Marcus Cousins if he's available, P.J. Tucker, um, David Nawaba. And then the Heat, mm-hmm. the Heat and the Pacers both play on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you could be looking at like yeah. TJ McConnell, Doug McDermott, Justin Holiday, um, Andre Gudala, Precious Ochua, Kendrick Nunn. And then the Sixers play on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, too. So you could nice. be looking at guys like Shake Milton, um, Shake Milton, Dwight Danny Howard, Green. Danny Green, Seth Curry. So yeah, those are good teams. Um, well, what do you think about that? Any guys you think I missed, Colin? No, I feel like you, you nailed it. I mean, yeah, I think it's really interesting to look at these teams specifically, just in a vacuum, not really looking at the matchups and injuries that might be occurring, but definitely utilize these teams. I mean, I I did it this week with Royce O'Neal because the Jazz had a stacked week, and it was just so nice to know that he was playing and that I didn't have to constantly be going into the waivers to try to see who was available. He was just there for me, and 
he put up some decent numbers. So definitely look into these guys. Uh, do you want to transition into some recommendations for guys that might have some value down the line, yeah. down the road? Yeah, so if you've been listening, um, you know we usually split it into long-term pickups and short-term pickups, but I actually wanted to change that because I thought we were kind of limiting Whoa. ourselves in terms of like long-term pickups, you know, because when people hear that, yeah. they're thinking of like bigger names, like guys who are probably already starting or like in the mm-hmm. um, close to starting. But I think I think we can cover a better like scope of guys if we change it to potential rest of season value because we could be seeing guys that maybe are like eight, nine, ten in the rotation, but later on we could mm-hmm. see them having a bigger role. So yeah, I wanted Fair to change enough. that. Well, my first guy. I can get behind that. My first guy is um someone I actually picked up today, and someone we've already talked about in the past. But it's Demarcus Cousins, yeah. who is currently sixty six percent rostered, which honestly seems kind of low still, along with um how he's been playing. And um Christian yeah. Wood actually picked up an ankle injury this week, and they say he's likely yes. to be evaluated on a week to week basis. So to me, that kind of sounds like he's missing like minimum two to three weeks. Um, yeah. If, and that gives a lot of upside to Cousins here. Um, he's going to be getting a tons of, ton of playing time. Um, he's kind of frustrating at times. You know, he, he's second all-time on the ejection list, um, only to Rashid Wallace. And he's, you can get under That's his skin. Stat line. Yeah. But the numbers, um, I think he's going to be picking up will be worth it. Um, he can be a high-impact player on this Rocket team who has four games already on the good days um, we talked about already. And in, the, in last night's game, he got 30 minutes. Um, 12 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. And that was good enough for 37 fantasy points. And That's huge. That's honestly not that... Like, he could be putting that up every night. And I think we'll see even bigger stat lines. Like, I think Cousins could be in the range for some 50-point games here, Colin. Fair enough. I mean, we've seen 50-point games out of him so far this year. Like, it has happened. And it's been in the last couple weeks. It was not an early season thing. He was riding the bench for a lot of the first couple weeks. So, I like it. I mean, I think his value is really shooting through the roof because of the Christian Wood injury. I think prior to the season starting, him being uh, drafted higher than his value was because of people not understanding how good Christian Wood was going to be. So now that he's out of the picture, I think it's his time to shine. I think we're really going to see, not even just in a fantasy perspective, but in a greater perspective, is DeMarcus Cousins ever going to return to any all-star-esque form? Maybe it's not even an all-star form, but just being able to consistently get what he needs to to put the Rockets in a position to do well in the playoffs. So I'm I'm rooting for the guy. I've always liked him. He's funny. He's obviously very passionate about the game and wants to win. So, you know, let, let the man have his redemption tour. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm rooting for Buggy. Uh, I really want to see him succeed because, you know, we got to see how good he was before um, he kind of got ravaged yeah. by injuries and – there's always a little part of me that hopes that he get back to that. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that's really nice about him is for a big man, he will step out beyond the arc, which is huge in category leagues for a guy that's starting at center to be taking like four threes a game. You always take that. And he's fairly efficient in it too. Yeah, he actually shoots pretty good percentages. Mm-hmm. So... I like that. I like that recommendation. He probably uh, shouldn't be available in your league. Like, if he is, you should probably go pick him up right now. Yeah, you you have right now that he's two thirds rostered, so sixty six percent. Which honestly seems pretty low. Leagues. I thought he'd be in like high seventies, low eighties by the end of this week. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think I think a lot of people do their waiver pickups on Sunday and so, like Sunday night to Monday morning. So that could be a, a lot of it. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure that his ownership is just going to skyrocket from here. Yeah. Artie, I've got a guy that I want to talk about, and I'm glad we kind of missed him in the Pistons trade. So I'm pumped about it. It's it's Josh Jackson. 
he's low-key been killing it uh, yeah, these been. last couple games. Um, Wayne Ellington, who we were obviously <laughs> massive on. We were on the Wayne Ellington trade train, but I think it's time to get off the Wayne Ellington trade. Wayne the Ellington train is... crashed. It was a violent crash. I... Okay, I said it on Wednesday, or was it last <laughs> week, that, you know, Wayne had one bad game. That could be enough. Like, <laughs> that could be everything that Wayne has to offer. Lo and behold, it was everything Wayne had to offer. <laughs> he went over 20 from the field and has not put up more than 10 fantasy points since. He's been injured. Either way, it's a tough look. But that, comboed with the Derrick Rose trade, gives a guy like Josh Jackson ample room to succeed. He's already, in his last four games, averaging 28 points. No, more than that. 31 points. He's averaging 31 points in his last four games. That's huge for a guy that's 10% rostered right now, and he's coming off a game yesterday in which he almost put up 50 fantasy points. 28 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. That is a stat line and a half right there. So... I like him. He's been a guy that's been all over the place, but he's still young. I mean, like, how old do you think Josh Jackson is right now? Like 23, 22. Yeah, he's 23. So there's still room for a guy like Josh Jackson to develop into what everybody might have thought he would be when he got drafted. Bounced around a little bit, but I think this will give him an opportunity. He's, he's starting games now which is, you know, the quintessential rule of bench, you know, our, our podcast, Bench Chatter. If you're on the floor, you're doing things. So he's going to be on the floor. Let him do things for your team. That's all I have to say. Yeah, um, I think people who haven't been keeping up on Josh Jackson kind of just remember what he was in Phoenix when they drafted him really high and had these super high expectations. And he was a, he was a shit shooter. Like, he really couldn't shoot the ball at all. I think in his rookie season, he shot 24% from three. And now he's up to a 32% shooter on more attempts a game. And he hits him at a better percentage. And I think he has a really big opportunity to um, have an impact on this Pistons team. And he's only 10.7% rostered right now. So he can definitely be a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... I'd take a chance on him. I actually just picked him up in yeah. the Defense League. So you are taking a chance on him. Yeah. Well, you know who you know who I dropped. Who? Wayne Ellington. Okay. It's just the way the world works. It was a it was a He's, fun ride. Wayne, if you're listening, ride. dude, we're your biggest fans, honestly. We we love you, dude. We love you so much. Come on the pod. We can just we can talk about all things Wayne. We'll get your career turned can, back around. Yeah, or, or, we'll consider turning your career back around. We have some major advice for you about how to do that, but you have to come on the pod. So, uh, you know, figure it out. You know, we'll give it to you, though. We have the key to you turning your career around. All right, Noah, what about uh, a guy that you have, uh, Juan? How does Juan turn your fantasy team around? Yeah, so the guy I want to talk about is Juan Toscano-Anderson. Um, he plays on the Warriors right now. He's currently 3.9% rostered. We're giving you these deep cuts on bench chatter. Um, but the Warriors right now, they're missing Marquise Chris, James Wiseman, and Kevon Looney, all to injury. Um, they're all confirmed out for all of next week already. And Juan, in um, two games, is averaging 15 points on two and a half threes. Five rebounds, three assists, and one and a half blocks in 33 minutes. And um, he's really just been gifted the opportunity of a lifetime here with the Warriors because Draymond has to play a lot more of the five right now. And mm-hmm. I see this as, I see this guy as potential rest of season value. Even we know how good James Wiseman been, has been so far this season, yeah. um, how good of a player he's going to turn out to be. But the Warriors are win now, Colin. As much as um, maybe oh, they they won't say they are, they want to make the playoffs this year. And I think they we both to. know they're at their best when Draymond is running the five. They're taking advantage of um, having a smaller lineup. They're running the floor. Yeah. And I think 
Juan Toscano fits that um, four they've kind of been missing to pair with um, Draymond Green so they can be somewhat formidable on the defensive end. So I could see this, like, if he plays well right now, he could be the one maybe finishing games instead of Wiseman. Fair enough. So my question is, I'm looking at his basketball reference page because I don't know a whole ton about him, and they actually list him at shooting guard. So as a guy who doesn't know a lot about one, have the Warriors converted him into a four? Why is a guy who is at 27 years old making his first real appearances in the NBA at, you know, 27, five years after graduating from college, switching his position to a four and being effective? Do you have answers to that? I mean, like, I just don't know a whole ton about this guy, and it seems to me that he might be playing out of position, but you think that it might be effective. Um, yeah, you know, with him, Ubre and Wiggins all in the lineup, they're all 6'6 six, six or bigger. Both Juan and Wiggins are both 6'6", six, six, and I think Ubre's a little taller at 6'7". So they really can be interchangeable, and I think that plays to their advantage on defense. You know, when they're switching every yeah. pick, um, they know that mm-hmm. if they switch to any of these guys, they'll be comfortable defending them because they're yeah. generally bigger than what other teams are running out there. And why he's suddenly, like, playing really well. I think it's the NBA is literally just like, it's a little bit of luck, you know, like on a normal, in a normal year, he has no right playing for the um, Warriors roster. You know, they're just a little too deep with all these injuries. um, He just gets the opportunity of a lifetime and, you know, you want to see him take advantage of this. And I think he might. Absolutely. No, I love that as a rest of season pick because it truly is a guy who we don't know a whole ton about, like I said, He made his NBA debut last year at 26. He's played a total of 23 games in the NBA, 10 this season. He's started four games, which is, again, bench chatters, quote-unquote, entire theory when it comes to some of these rest-of-season value guys. It's just guys who are going to be on the floor and have that opportunity. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um... Yeah, let's see how this let's see how this one plays out. I'm interested. I, I want to keep close watch. He's the next Wayne Ellington, dude. I mean, choo choo, baby. I'll hop on the train. Juan seems Juan seems like a good conductor. You know, I will say uh, the thing that sticks out most about his page so far is that he's shooting 53% from three on one and a half attempts a game. So pretty small sample size, but, you know, if he can do it, he can do it. Stretch the floor. I mean, if uh, the Warriors have shooters around Steph, that's only a good thing. Alrighty, Noah. Who else do you have as maybe rest of the season type of guys? Yes, my um, last guy I'll go like in depth into is um, Jakob Pertl. He's the center right now for the Spurs. He's currently ten point three percent rostered, and um, Lamarcus Aldridge this week he hurt his hip, and according to an article that came out today, Pop said he is going to be out for a while. Um, you know, I don't know how long a while is, but a while sounds yeah. longer than a week to me. And so Jakob Pertl's going to see Jakob Pertl's going to see a big minute spike. And um, over the last seven days, he's averaging nine points, eight rebounds on 2.3 blocks on around 28 minutes a game. Um, he's currently shooting 58% from field goal. And I think if he impresses himself during this time LaMarcus is out, um, he could warrant himself more playing time. Because I did watch yeah. a little bit of him playing with the Spurs. And they kind of just, LaMarcus kind of just takes up so much space, you know. He's not that fast. Yeah. Jakob Pertl's just a little more athletic. So he kind of fits with their um, younger guys playing style more. And yeah. even if you're not that sold on him, he plays Monday, Tuesday this week. So you could just give him a trial run in these two weeks. Um, you're getting two games value out of a one-person pickup. Yeah. And if he impresses, you know, he, you could keep him for a while. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. He is definitely more athletic than Aldridge. And with the Spurs looking to make a legitimate run at the playoffs. 
under the tutelage of one Gregory Popovich, I think that it is a, a place where big men shine. I mean, Popovich has perfected running an offense through a big man. So obviously that's not really the way the league works anymore. But I think it's it's a great situation for somebody like Jakob to come in and have a lot of success. I can't say I've watched a ton of footage of Jakob, but from what I've seen, he's a bit of a rebound machine. So, yeah. you know, if nothing else, if he can average nine boards in these next couple weeks, that should provide enough fantasy value in and of itself. Yeah, totally. He could. I think he'd be better in categories than points. Um, I think he could really help you in categories, um, in terms of like field goal rebounds and blocks. Um, so yeah, he could definitely be worth a pickup. Yeah. Um, throughout his career, he has he ever really gotten the minutes? Um, he and got I'm, traded I'm from Orlando, me. and then he's kind of just been stuck in that backup role for the um. Spurs, but I think he, I think he is pretty decent, and I don't think a lot of people know that. So we're definitely yeah. going to get to see the trial run. So I want to answer my own question. He's never played more than, never averaged more than twenty minutes a game up till this season, where he's averaging twenty one, and obviously with Aldridge out, that seeks to increase. So I'm excited to see what he has to offer. He's, he shoots a really solid field goal percentage. Obviously not taking a ton of attempts and everything is right at the rim. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I like him, like I said, to just kind of be a rebound machine for the next little bit here. Yeah. Alrighty, I've got one last guy. And it's a guy we've we've kind of talked about, gone back and forth on. But it's Kendrick Nunn, who at the moment is about 33% rostered, 34% rostered in ESPN leagues. The Heat have been a bit of a carousel in terms of who is getting significant minutes on that team and who is scoring the ball. But when he's been in the game, Kendrick Nunn has been scoring the ball. Uh, He's coming off to really solid performances um, posting 33 and 29 fantasy points respectively. Uh, He played a game against Washington on Friday in which he put up 25 points and eight boards. I just think that the Miami Heat are in a bit of a weird spot coming off of the championship run, having a lot of injuries, guys all over the COVID list, And Nunn is young. And Tyler Hero obviously got a lot of credit, deservedly, in playing time for what he was able to accomplish last season. But Nunn is another young guy who is just a walking bucket. I mean, you watch him play. He's got the killer instinct. He wants to shoot, and he is awesome coming off the bench. I mean, in terms of guys who just start the second quarter and tear it up, Kendrick Nunn has to be at the top of the league. So I don't see his value really decreasing. He's going to keep scoring. He's averaging over 30 minutes a game when he's playing, dating back to January 16th, which is really when he started to get minutes this year. I, I like it. I think he's cemented himself as having a significant role in the Miami Heat roster, and I would like to have a part of it. Yeah, I kind of talked down on Kendrick Nunn a couple uh, weeks ago. Um, but So I actually took some time to watch some Miami Heat games. And, you know, Gordon Drogic has been in and out this whole year. He seems to get injured, yeah. pick up an injury like every game, and he'll miss a couple games, come, play, come back and play a couple as long as Kendrick Nunn is logging this minute load, um, I actually do think he's improved as a player since when I watched him last year in his rookie year, which is a really good yeah. sign to see. And yeah, when he gets the opportunity, he puts up numbers. So he's definitely a guy that, at least right now, while he's cooking, you should probably be rostered. Yeah, absolutely. And the biggest thing with him is he's a guy that wants to shoot the ball. 
And so he'll watch sometimes, and they're not always the best of shots, but he always makes sure that he's getting his shots. So he's averaging 11 field goal attempts a game this year, which is very solid for a guy that isn't really starting. You know, 11 attempts a game is... Yeah, we take that. Pretty hefty. Pretty hefty. Yeah. Artie, do you want to move into just waiver guys to skim? I mean... I think we've been skimming the waiver guys to skim list these last couple of weeks. If you see value in, you know, breaking down any one or two guys in particular, I think go for it. But other than that, I think it'd be more beneficial to talk about significant injuries, don't you think? Yeah, I'll just read through the list. So the list is usually the list is usually always based around what teams have the most favorable matchups this week. Because these are gonna be the guys you want to kinda wait picking up. So um, this week I have Eric Gordon, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Eric Paschal, Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker, Damian Lee, um, P.J. Tucker, Jay Sean Tate, Sterling Brown, David Nawaba, T.J. McConnell, who I'll actually take a minute to um, talk about. He kind of had a crazy week um, for the Pacers this week. In his last two games, he got 15 assists and 12 assists in the last in the last two games for the Pacers. Um, along with that, he had two steals, nine points, and two rebounds. If, you just, if you're punting some categories and you want to go all in on assists and steals, um, TJ McConnell is your guy. I mean, 27 assists yeah. out of two games for him, that's nuts. So he's always a guy that um, I'll look at if I ever need him for a week, but he's only, he fits a Same. niche for a team. Yeah. Um, Doug McDermott, yeah. Uh, Doug McDermott, Andre Iguodala, Shake Millen, Danny Green, Precious Artua, and Dwight Howard for this week would be guys I'd be yeah. looking for. Fair enough. Uh, I'm just going to add one name to that list, and that's Patrick Williams. Uh, oh, yeah, Porter he's been Jr. playing well. Continues to sit, and Pat Will just dropped his first 20-point game ever, and as his role increases in his confidence in shot-taking increases, I think he's only going to improve as a fantasy player. Uh, also, Markinen might sit out tomorrow, so that is only going to give him more shots. Uh, Thad Young too; he's been killing it. He's yeah, been averaging. Thad Young should really be on a long-term thing. I yeah, think we he's talked about him as a long-term guy, but yeah, he's been averaging fourteen, five, four, two steals and a block a game. Um, and he actually has small forward, power forward, and center eligibility on ESPN. You can fit him so into nice. almost any team. Yeah. So all nice. right, should so we get into um? Injuries this week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so who do you want to lead with? So um, a guy, I guess we can lead off with Larry, Larry Nance got hurt. And, um, Larry Lance. Yeah, Larry Nance got hurt in a game um, a couple days ago, and he's going to miss four to six weeks. Um, do you see anyone benefiting um, from that on the Cavs, Colin? Um, well... I think I do. I do. I want to bring in the Kevin Love talk yet because that's a big part of this. Yeah, I think this is, is a dub Kevin for Kevin Love, Love owners. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, there's been speculation as to when he's going to return. I think there were thoughts because he was cleared for basketball activities last week that it would be pretty soon. But according to ESPN, the Cavs are on a five-game road trip, and it's highly unlikely that he will be available for that, which begins tomorrow. So, preceding or er, uh, after that, displays that road trip. I think Kevin Love will be back. So, I'd give it another week and a half, you know. Um, but in terms of the current roster, I think. Maybe we call Jarrett Allen a winner of that. I think he's struggled a little bit to find his role on the Cavs team since being traded there. So I, I think that opening up a little bit of a big man spot will give him some more time to develop, especially next to Andre Drummond, who has just been an absolute force. Yeah, I think a guy like Torian Prince benefits from this too. Um, I think yes. I think he'll get a lot more run at the four. So he'll have um, a higher usage rate and uh, more time to uh, get stats. But uh, the Cavs are low key. They low key played really bad this week, Colin. Um, I think they went one and three. And yeah. there's a little correlation to that. 
is that Andre Drummond's usage rate went up like 6% this week, and they lose games really? when Andre Drummond's percent usage rate is that high. So it's really interesting that, like, Andre Drummond, do you think he helps the team? Because he's putting up all these points and rebounds, but um, he's low-key not. Well, I think that makes a little bit of sense. You know, Andre Drummond, in terms of the the rebounding and defense that he plays, absolutely. But no, I don't think that anybody wants their offense necessarily running through Andre Drummond. You know, Andre Drummond taking 16 shots a game, definitely not anything I'm I'm yearning for necessarily. So yeah, no, I th- I think we we covered that. And if you're a Larry Nance owner, I, I think you just drop him. Cut your losses here. Don't wait for a return. Yeah. Time he gets back. Kevin Love will be back. Absolutely. Barring any trade. Barring any trade. You know, Kevin Love will be back. So I think you can find somebody else in the meantime, especially if it's a six week thing. Yeah. Just just drop him. Get him out of there. Alrighty. Who do you want to talk about next? Or do you have anything else to add about Larry Nance? Um, the guy we can talk about next is actually DeAndre Hunter, um, who was a guy who got hurt last week. He injured his knee, and we um, didn't actually know the severity of it. But today, he actually had surgery to um, repair a meniscus there. So he's going to be out at least minimum two weeks, but they'll probably be careful with him even coming back because, you yeah. know, he is one of their pieces they're going to build around. So it could be looking like yeah. more to like two to three to four weeks. And I think someone who has already saw an immediate bump from this is actually um, Kevin Huerta, when maybe we would have thought it would have been, um, you know, like Gallinari or uh, Cam Reddish. But Huerta, over the last four games, has played 34 minutes or more. He's played 34 minutes, 37, 39 minutes twice. And he's actually averaging 16 points, three rebounds, five assists, and a steal a game. So he's averaging around like 30 fantasy points a game. And he's only rostered in 38% of leagues right now. And I think he's the main guy yeah. that's going to see um, the like bump from this. So I definitely would think about yeah. picking him up. But um, I actually had a question for you, Colin. I'm going to pull up really Gallinari's really. stats, and I want to know if you would drop him or not if he was on your team. Um, so he's on the... He's like blind stat read, but fine, whatever. Yeah, sorry. Um, so he's on the season. He's averaging 14 fantasy points, but it's kind of small sample size. But over the last seven days, he's averaging 11 points, three rebounds, and two assists. Is that enough for you? His ceiling right now is looking at like 30 minutes or 30 fantasy points a game. Is that like good enough for you to even like hold him, or would you be dropping him? Um, I what it really boils down to for me, the only way in which I'm keeping him is if he's contributing significantly on steals. And is being very effective from the field. Uh, and I'm guessing he's not really doing either of those things. He is not. Yeah, I I think everybody thought that Gallinari was going to come in and just have a very significant role with the Hawks. And that just doesn't seem to have taken place. And it doesn't appear that it will either. I don't think he's on their high list of guys that are going to get the minutes when Hunter sits out these next two weeks. So, I don't know. I agree with you. I think his ceiling is a a 35-point game at the moment. I don't know if he's going to put up more than 20 points in a game, like real points. I don't think he will score 20 points in a game this year just based on that roster and what they've got going on. Yeah, I'm kind of questioning why they even signed him in the first place. Yeah, that's definitely coming into question because I I just don't get it. And then, so uh, that's all, the last guy, um, and then when the show I wanted to talk about was George Hill, mm-hmm. who got injured this week, and he's um, estimated to miss about a month. So. Initially, two guys have came to my mind. Um, they're both guys that I've been riding in um, Daily Fantasy because the OKC team actually does have a lot of value um, in Daily Fantasy. And that's Theo Maladon and Hamadou Diallo. 
Um, they're both two young guards on the Thunder that have been getting, they've been basically splitting the minutes every game um, to make up for George Hill's absence. And they've both been playing really well. Um, yeah. Right now, Maladon's averaging eight points, two assists, three rebounds on a game. And Hamadou is averaging um, 12 points, four rebounds, two assists. And I think Maladon will be the one who starts games for the um, Thunder. I think they're the best team when he's out there um, with yeah. the starters. And if he plays well, Con, I don't see a world where George Hill comes back from injury and he gets the starting spot back again, honestly. Yeah, I don't see it either. If you're the Thunder, why would you want to give it to George Hill if you've got a young guy that's proving it? Yeah, so this could you could be getting a starter right now in um, Theo Maladon, and he's only rostered in he's only rostered in five point five percent of leagues right now. Damn, that's a nice pickup then. That is a nice pickup. I don't know what else to say about them. I'm excited about those Thunder team. They can crank out those those young talented guys. They've got a knack for it. Yeah, they're actually pretty fun yeah. to watch. No, they are. And Al Horford's actually, since coming back from paternal leave, he's been doing pretty solid. Yeah, he's uh, been last falling. Thing I do want to mention, just in terms of injuries, is uh, Aaron Gordon of the Magic went down at the very beginning of the week and looks to be out for a significant amount of time, at least four weeks. So I would consider dropping him probably. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I just I don't think he's put up the production thus far to warrant keeping him. And it's a severe ankle sprain, so it could be up to six weeks. And if I'm the Magic, it mm, Magic actually might rush him back a little bit sooner because they're in the the cusp of the playoff hunt and might need him. But either way, out for a month that's pretty tough. Alrighty, this is a pretty decent show. I've had fun. There's been a lot of wisdom imparted, and would you like to wrap up the show on any closing thoughts, Noah? What do you need our listeners to hear? Um, Go Pacers. I hope they have a 3-0 and week this week. Yeah, your Pacers have kind of shit the bed recently, dude. They're almost a 500 team. Hey, uh, thanks for listening, guys. That's going to do it for Bench <laughs> Chatter this week, uh, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. Colin, what do you got to say? Um, the Hoosiers won today, baby. Beat Let's go. Iowa. Big 67, win. Seven sixty-five. Shout out Armand Franklin for the last second shot to put us up. Go Hoosiers. Love you, boys. Peace.